Thanks, really exciting to be here amongst some of the best minds in glaucoma, all trying to change the world for the better. These are my financial disclosures. Equinox is a company that I started, and that's the relevant one. And I love that the prior panel said, think differently and take some big swings, because that's what this talk is going to be about. The common belief is that glaucoma is a one-pressure disease, IOP. But the more likely truth is that glaucoma is a two-pressure disease, or at least a two-pressure disease. And as we think about it, it's probably a combination of the relative difference between intraocular pressure and intracranial pressure as the cerebral spinal fluid bathes the optic nerve as it enters the back of the brain. So why do we think this is true? Why does it matter and why should you care? Well, let's start with why you should care. And that's because we think that we're developing a non-pharmacologic, non-surgical, totally titratable dial-in-the-IOP pair of goggles that patients could wear at night for the treatment and progression, prevention of progression of glaucoma. So why do we think that it's true? Well, the anatomy and physiology makes sense, the physics is on our side, and the data bears it out. When you look at this histology slide of the optic nerve, you see that intraocular pressure bases the optic nerve, but the cerebral spinal fluid is only 500 microns away on the other side, and when I look at a slide like this, and I look at how far away IOP is from CSF, I say, how can that other pressurized fluid that's pushing on the optic nerve not matter? And so we've done a number of studies showing that intracranial pressure, CSF pressure, is indeed lower in patients that have glaucoma. And this has been replicated by a number of investigators across the world. When you look at the lamina cribrosa, you see that in glaucoma over here on the right, it's, the lamina cribrosa is bowed backwards and much thinner. That's almost certainly due to a force on one side of the lamina cribidosa that, that's higher than on the other side. So what I believe is true is that axonal transport is the ultimate cause of glaucoma. If axonal transport can deliver the metabolic needs and remove the metabolic waste of the nerve, we're going to protect the optic nerve. And in the normal situation where the intraocular pressure is just a little higher than the intracranial pressure, no problem, the metabolic needs are met. However, if the intraocular pressure is too high or the intracranial pressure is too low, there's a pressure gradient across the optic nerve and the metabolic needs of the nerve can't be met, the nerve slowly withers and it dies. The opposite is true as well in intracranial hypertension or pseudotumor cerebri. The intracranial pressure is higher than the intraocular pressure and now orthograde axonal transport is stopped and the nerve can be damaged. So why does this matter? If we can decouple intraocular pressure from intracranial pressure, then we can restore balance to the optic nerve and treat glaucoma. So take a look at this image. Right here at sea level in San Francisco, the atmospheric pressure is about 760 millimeters of mercury pushing down on us. We call that ambient pressure zero. Intraocular pressure in the eye is 16 millimeters of mercury higher than that. So the transcorneal pressure difference, what we call IOP, is 16. Average intracranial pressure, 12 millimeters of mercury. So the difference across the optic nerve head is 4 millimeters of mercury, what we call the translaminar pressure difference. Okay? In glaucoma, that intraocular pressure goes up to 22. The intracranial pressure, let's say, goes down to 9, which is consistent with what we found in our studies. And now the translaminar pressure difference has gone up to 13 instead of 4. Axonal transport can no longer get into the intraocular portion of the eye. The nerve slowly withers and dies. So how could we treat that? How could we decouple IOP 
from intracranial pressure. By putting a negative vacuum in front of the eye, we're releasing 10 millimeters of mercury of pressure from that 760 that's pushing down on our eye. That gets directly translated into the eye, taking that 22 millimeters of mercury to a 12, and we've restored a normal translaminar pressure difference. So we've done this in cadaver eyes in uh, the late Doug Johnson and Mike Fouch's lab, where we've taken cadaver eyes in a perfusion model and apply a vacuum over the eye, and indeed the pressure goes down almost in lockstep when we apply that negative pressure. We apply a pressure of negative 10 and it goes down about negative 9. We left it there for 10 minutes. We apply another negative 10 of pressure. It goes down about another 9 millimeters of mercury, and when we, we release it, it returns to baseline. So if you didn't think that I was crazy yet, I'll prove it to you now. And that is that in astronauts on the International Space Station are suffering the reverse of this. About 50% of astronauts on the International Space Station are having swelling of their optic nerve. Why we think that happens is because here, as you're sitting there, your cerebral spinal fluid is draining into your caudal spinal column. That leaves your intracranial pressure at eye level lower than your intraocular pressure. But in space, there's no gravity. So the CSF pressure redistributes up, and now that's a little bit higher than the intraocular pressure, and papilledema occurs. So in zero gravity, the normal situation is IOP doesn't really change at 16 millimeters of mercury, but the CSF pressure perhaps goes up to about 20. The pressure gradient is reversed. So treatment of this disease on the International Space Station would be the reverse and actually adding pressure to the eye to raise the intraocular pressure to balance the intracranial pressure and restore homeostasis to the eye. Thanks so much for listening.